0: So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. Reducing inflation is likely to require a sustained period of below trend growth. Moreover, there will very likely be some softening of labor market conditions. While higher interest rates, slower growth, and softer labor market conditions will bring down inflation, they will also bring some pain to households and businesses. These are the unfortunate costs of reducing inflation. But a failure to restore price stability would mean far greater pain. It is 1017 a.m. Central. No, again, I'm still on Central Time. Nope, no, nope, no, I'm not. It's Pacific Time. Gonna have to get used to that. 1017 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. PDT. It is August the 26th, 2022. This is episode 607 of Bitcoin. And I didn't come to you yesterday because I figured I'd take a little bit of a break. Also, you know one of the things that I noticed the most is that in the bear markets. There's just not that great a news. And I'm not talking about bad news. It's just that, oh man, you want to talk about digging through article after article after article that is like just the not nitpicky, what I'm trying to say. It's like just, it's so reaching for anything. It's like the the authors are out there just dry as a bone going, ain't nothing going on. What the hell can we you know, what the hell can we make of this tweet? You know, it's, it's that bad out there. It it really is. So, um, hopefully things will turn around, but you know, this is the time to build and it's a it's cliche. I get it, but it is why? Because there's no noise. There's no, it's, we're not just being hammered to death with DeFi and sushi swap and Trading pineapples for fish or whatever was going on over the last two years, starting the summer, not last summer, not this summer, not last summer, but the summer before that was when that whole sushi swap thing happened, right? If you don't remember, that's when it occurred, right around the, I think it was mid to the end of June, uh, summer before last summer, not this summer. So there <laughs> there you go. Now we we are in the depths. We are in the 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 winter. We are in where it is that people can clear their minds, not listen to the hype because the hype is basically dead. And the hype around everything is dead. The only thing left hype-wise is the Ethereum merge, which uh, who knows what the what the hell's going to happen with that thing. But we got better fish to fry. We're going to start with congratulating Crypto Graffiti, that's at Crypto Graffiti on Twitter. Uh, he's a dad. He just he he he's now he's now a father. Uh, he was going to be a father, and now it's now it's occurred. Uh, congratulations, Crypto Graffiti! Uh, your uh, newest Bitcoiner is welcome into this world. Also, Thriller X, Thrill well Thriller X, which is also Thriller Bitcoin which is also car, uh, down there in Austin. Uh, he, he is, uh, letting us know about this new doll E thing. Uh, dolly, if you're, if D a L L dot E is dolly, it is, if you're wondering, it's an AI that produces pictures from text based prompts. So you give it like prompts and it, you know, like, say like a, mountain in a field and then all of a sudden it gives you three or four pictures of a mountain in a field but it's not it's not stuff that it scraped from the web like and just found you know i don't know like looking for hashtags of mountains and fields and scraping instagram and stuff no 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 it, it builds these from the ground up using an algorithmic uh artificial intelligence or so they say now dolly one came out this is dolly version two which is slightly better, but, but before we get into this, I got to say I was playing with mid journey, which is the sort of the same deal, different crew of developers. That thing is fascinating. Go search mid journey. The problem that you're going to run into is this, you're going to get addicted to it. And the second you do is when your trial runs out and they want 10 bucks a month, for a basic package, which gives you some time on their GPUs per month. Or you can go unlimited with 30 bucks a month. And then there's, I think there's a pro version. And I don't even know how much that shit costs. But be aware, when you search mid-journey, you're going to go down a rabbit hole. Because this thing produces beautiful pictures. And you're going to get stuck going, wow, I can do all this stuff. And then your trial is going to run out and don't be mad. One of the hiccups about that is that you're going to run across something that says that your trial will generate you 25 images. Yeah. Or your, your monthly, uh, like if you're paying for a month, you get 200 images. That's not entirely true. And I, I'm hoping that they update this, but what they mean is that you get 200 minutes of GPU time. And if you're constantly upgrading your your you know upgrading the resolution from the pictures that you do generate, that's all gonna suck down your time. So be aware, there's a lot of people that are getting pissed off about that right now. They blew through like their ten dollars worth of you know their month in like four hours. So just be aware. But this one is interesting because in when my mid-journey ran out, when my trial ran out, What do you think I did? What was the first thing you think I did? Yes, I got into their Discord, which is where you had to activate the pictures from in the first place, so you were there anyway. But I got, uh, it like started asking questions and it was either the intro or welcome or something like that. And I was like, hey, do you take Bitcoin? And they've not answered me yet. Well, car or Thriller Bitcoin, that's at Thriller Bitcoin, all one word on Twitter, has uh, allowed, allowed me to look at something that does accept Bitcoin. Dolly2 is a new AI system that can create realistic images and art from a description in natural language. Uh, F321X underscore created the first Telegram bot for OpenAI's Dolly2 with Bitcoin Lightning payments. And it works. So what you do is... Uh, You go over to their Telegram group, and God knows I hate Telegram, but I just, I had to do this one. Uh, Go over to their Telegram group, and then it gives you a greeting and says, you know, hey, here's the deal. This is the way it works, and now you can go ahead and enter your text prompt. So I put in something like uh, steampunk and uh, building and building in a tree or something like that. And it generated a Lightning Network invoice, and I paid that invoice directly from my Lightning node using uh, what am I using here? Off of it. Oh God, was it um ThunderHub? Yeah, off of ThunderHub, I paid it, and then I went back to the Telegram group and then typed in the command forward slash generate, and then it looked to see if the Lightning invoice had indeed been paid, and it was, and it generated me. For 1080 by 1080 images of you guessed it, a steampunk-looking treehouse. It's pretty cool. That's what I want MidJourney to do. I like Dolly and Dolly Two and those algorithms, but MidJourney has got it all over the place. They've got it over everybody. They're you can, you can put in image like pre you know, pre-made images and then text prompts and have that image be like, I kind of want what you're doing is you're putting in an an already processed image and say, I want it to look like this. And then you do your text prompts and some other stuff. Mid journey, you got to go check that shit out. Okay. Thank you car for uh, letting me know that at least Dolly too, or somebody has been able to figure that shit out. If somebody can figure out how to do that shit for mid journey, that would be awesome. But we've got uh, to go through this. Um, uh, Missouri-based Sullivan Bank to enable customers to buy Bitcoin. Yep, Sean Amick from Bitcoin Magazine's writing it up. <clears throat> Backed Holdings Incorporated, a digital asset service provider, has partnered with Sullivan Bank to enable its customers to buy, sell, and hold Bitcoin and one other cryptocurrency per a press release. In order to facilitate embedding Bitcoin services into Sullivan's existing infrastructure, the bank is leveraging BAC's Crypto Connect platform. Institutions can leverage Crypto Connect through a connection of application programmable interfaces or through an embedded web experience. Additionally, BACT user or Backed uses uh, a mixture of warm and cold wallet storage to hold custody of Bitcoin on behalf of its customers. However, It is unclear whether or not the platform supports withdrawing Bitcoin to external wallets. Moreover, Warm and cold wallet custodial solutions are insured up to $125. I think that's dollars. This may be European. If you're not aware, the comma in European numerical denotations is what we use as a decimal point. And when we use commas to separate groups of three zeros, they're using decimal points, which becomes very freaking confusing very fast. But this looks like it says 125 bucks from a leading insurer. The service provider uses multi-signature wallets alongside Shamir secret sharing with hardware modules for added security and peace of mind. Quote, we are excited. To provide opportunities for customers to access a growing and increasingly in-demand asset class with peace of mind with regard to security and regulations, said Mallory Farrell, COO of Sullivan Bank. Quote, BAC's innovative platform will facilitate this new capability within our existing banking platform and customers will be able to view their crypto balance alongside their checking and savings balance all in the same place. Sullivan Bank has been serving its customers since, get this, 1895, and intends to continue serving its community for many years by allowing its customers to operate in the digital economy without needing to leave the bank. So yet another bank is on board. This is what I'm saying about the building period. One of the, one of the only types of news articles that I've been getting is yet more and more people are accepting Bitcoin like businesses accepting it for payment or institutions allowing their customers to access it. Over the last week alone, I've seen at least 3 of those. And the week before and the week before that when I wasn't recording shows, it was like, "Holy shit. All these people are going getting into Bitcoin? That's what happens in a bear market." When all when all the noise goes away, people can start seeing what's actually going on. And this is one of the reasons why maximalists are always harping on stop listening to the bullshit. And then we try to tell you what the bullshit is, but well, you know what happens, we get laughed at, pointed at, and made fun of. Now, here we go. Another one from Bitcoin Magazine. This one also from Sean Amick. World's largest Bitcoin ATM firm to go public on the NASDAQ. Uh, Bitcoin Depot, the world's largest provider of Bitcoin ATMs, according to data from Coin ATM Radar, will go public on the NASDAQ through an $885 million deal with a special purpose acquisition company, according to a Thursday press release. Bitcoin Depot currently boasts a fleet of over 7,000 ATMs across North America, which allow customers to conveniently convert fiat into Bitcoin and shitcoins. upon the completion of the acquisition, which is expected to close in the first quarter of next year. Oh God, ads just popped up and screwed up my place where I was. Uh, first quarter of, upon the completion of the acquisition, which is expected to close in the first quarter of 2023. Bitcoin Depot will merge with GSR2 Meteora Acquisition Corp or GSRM to become Bitcoin Depot Incorporated and trade under the ticker symbol BTM on the NASDAQ US Stock Exchange. Quote, We are currently looking to expand our reach so as many people as possible can access cryptocurrency to control their own money and conduct easier and simpler financial transactions, said Brandon Mintz, CEO and founder of Bitcoin Depot, per the release. I'll get to that in a second. You know where I'm going. According to the release, Bitcoin Depot has generated over $623 million in revenue in the past 12 months with a net income of over $6 million. While the company's Bitcoin ATMs already permeate over 40% of the United States population across its 7,000 locations, the release details that the company has a pending application to enter (gasps) New York State to further its market reach. Quote, since inception, we've expanded our BTM footprint across North America, signed strategic relationships with major retailers, and enhanced our services to provide convenient access to cryptocurrency as we aim to become a digital asset economy on-ramp destination for users to efficiently turn cash into crypto. Mintz continued, the combined company is expected to have a post-transaction enterprise value of $755 million dollars. While equity would fall closer to $855 million after cash proceeds from the transaction are all tallied up. Of that value, $321 million will be allocated to a trust held by GSRM to be used for future acquisitions and scaling of what? Your fucking shit coins? Dude, your name is Bitcoin Depot. Just saying it again your name is Bitcoin Depot. You're, you're changing the name. I get it. You know what you're changing the name to? Bitcoin Depot Incorporated. You're still Bitcoin Depot. And yet, every single, almost every other word from Brandon Mintz, the CEO and founder of Bitcoin Depot, is cryptocurrency and uh, let's see, what else was it? Cryptocurrency. Oh, uh, digital assets and crypto. It's like, no, I. you see you see my frustration? Can, can you feel my frustration, ladies and gentlemen? Bitcoin-named companies talking about crypto and digital assets, and next thing you know, they're going to be talking about Board Ape Yacht Club and other bullshit NFTs. That's not a Bitcoin company that has nothing at all to do with Bitcoin. So I asked the question when Bitcoin Depot first spun itself up and gave itself that name, were they truly just Bitcoin? Or were they just using the name Bitcoin to further their marketing ends? If it's the latter, then fuck these guys. Just saying. Still waiting. Yep, we're waiting. SEC delays VanEck's third, not one, not two, but three times. The Bitcoin spot ETF application of VanEck's has been delayed by the SEC. This one, out of Cointelegraph, Gareth Jenkinson writing, the United States Securities and Exchange Commission has pushed back a decision on yet the latest application for a Bitcoin spot exchange-traded fund by global investment firm VanEck. The company has long been trying to get the green light for what will be the first BTC ETF in the United States, with its first application lodged with the SEC dating back to 2017, which was eventually denied. Eck saw a second application ruled out in November of 2021 by the SEC, reasoning that the firm had not met standards to protect investors as, investors as well as prevent fraudulent manipulative acts and practices. Oh, gee, like the, what the United States stock market as it exists today, whatever Vanek preserved or persevered with yet a third application for a BTC ETF offering in June of 2022 filed with the SEC highlighting a number of reasons why the SEC should reconsider its previous decisions. VanEck's primary argument was that the United States funds were gaining exposure to Bitcoin through BTC spot exchange traded offerings in Canada. Oh, sorry. American funds. I, I've used United States in place of that. Yeah. The Americas have plenty of spot ETFs for Bitcoin. Yeah. The Brazil that's in the Americas, that's South America, right? You got Canada, which is way North America. So we're all in the Americas over here. Central America, South America, North America. The United States is yet to get a spot ETF. So let's do that again. VanEck's primary argument was that American funds were gaining exposure to Bitcoin through BTC spot exchange traded products offered in Canada. America's northern neighbor approved a spot Bitcoin ETF in February of 2021, becoming one of the first countries in the world to do so. The deadline for approval of the latest filing with the SEC was set to expire on August the 27th, leading the regulator to postpone its decision on the matter by almost two months. The SEC has given itself until October the 11th to make a ruling and noted that it had not received any comments on the proposed rule change after calling for public consultation in July 2022. Quote, The commission finds that it is appropriate to designate a longer period within which to take action on the proposed rule change so that it has sufficient time to consider the proposed rule change and the issues raised therein, uh, end quote. The push for an American spot Bitcoin ETF has been a talking point since 2017, which would essentially allow institutional investors to buy shares representing Bitcoin that would be held by Van Eck. This gives investors exposure to Bitcoin without having to physically own and store the cryptocurrency. Vanek intends to list its BTC ETF product on the CBOE BZX exchange. Yeah, well, I guess when, when, and if they actually get one. I mean, generally speaking, I would say it's not a question of if; it's a matter of when. But man, right now, I'm not so sure when it comes to the United States. I, you know, and 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 what sucks is how many retirement funds uh, that people in the United States can be exposed to would legally be able to purchase the European, Australian, New Zealand or South or Central American ETFs. I don't know cuz I I don't live in that in that world. If, because if you can, then you might as well go ahead and start doing your, you know, ask your retirement, you know, manager, "Hey, can we but can we just buy the Brazilian spot ETF?" or the Canadian spot ETF, because apparently the SEC is just never going to fucking execute on this shit. It's been since 2015, since the Winklevi twins first proposed a BTC ETF, and it was shot all to hell. I think they tried a couple of times and finally just gave up. And then Van Eck carries the torch, and I don't know if they're going to give up. I, I don't know what the SEC's problem is. The Do we need it? No, Bitcoin doesn't need it. The problem is, is that all the rest of the countries in the world are going to have it. And the United States retiree is going to be in a backwater because they couldn't legally, their their retirement funds couldn't legally buy Bitcoin and hold it on their balance sheet for the retirement programs unless it was a san- an SEC-sanctioned ETF. That's why it's important because it allows exposure from all these retirement places to be able to buy in to BTC and physically possess the Bitcoin on their balance sheet at the behest of their retirees that are in their retirement program. That's the only reason why it's important, all right? You know, it's like it, Bitcoin is going to survive no matter what the hell happens. So it, it doesn't matter, but it is increasingly becoming fairly embarrassing that we, we, we in the United States still do not have one. Let's talk about princes and queens and princesses and shit. Turner Wright has this one from Cointelegraph. Prince Philip of Serbia suggests bringing Bitcoin into the classroom. The prince, jokingly implying that he was rebuilding amid a bear market, constructed a sandcastle on the beach at the Surf and Bitcoin 2022 before it was unceremoniously stepped upon. I hope that doesn't bode anything. Speaking to Cointelegraph over sandcastles at the Surf and Bitcoin 2022 event at Casino de Baritz in France on Thursday, Prince Philip said he was bullish on Bitcoin in part because of the impact that it could have on children's ed- education around the world. The Prince, a self described Bitcoin maximalist, hinted that part of his keynote address at the crypto conference, only the second one for which he was a speaker, will focus on informing those in and out of the space of the potential benefits of Bitcoin. Quote, Kids need to understand what Bitcoin is all about, said Prince Philip. The main thing is the history of money. This is something that we weren't taught in schools. Education is getting worse, as I can see it. End quote. Citing an example from his own family, Prince Philip said his four-year-old son, Stefan, was trying to develop some, concept- some conceptions around Bitcoin by watching his dad. Quote, he's trying to get an idea of what Bitcoin is. He understands that there's Bitcoin and his father likes to talk about it. End quote. Philip Karadzorzik, hereditary prince of Serbia and Yugoslavia, also known as Philip Karger Georgievich says that education is lacking when it comes to cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin. Prince Philip jokingly implied he was rebuilding amid a bear market, constructed a sandcastle on a beach at the venue before it was stepped on by a passerby. In July, he reportedly said that Bitcoin adoption was inevitable for all countries whose citizens practice Islam because it makes perfect Sharia money. The BTC maximalist, though always a public figure due to his title, became known to many in the crypto space following a March interview in which he said, Bitcoin is freedom, and this is something that I want for everyone. He also attended the Bitcoin Miami conference in 2022. However, the prince has suggested he lacked the authority to declare the crypto asset legal tender, as El Salvador did in September of 2021. Well, he's only a prince and not, I guess, a king, so... Yeah, whatever. The whole sandcastle thing, I don't even know why the hell they're talking about that because that's just like introducing something. Like if you're superstitious and you were reading that he's talking about Bitcoin and building sandcastles and then he gets stepped on. Yeah, if you're really superstitious, that probably ran you the wrong way. I tried just not to actually give a shit about it. So we're going to end it with this one. Now, not... In the show. We're going to end this half of the show with this one from Coindesk written by Steven Lubka. This was written a few days ago. I've been meaning to get to it, but I keep skipping over it. This time we're going to hit it. The more energy Bitcoin uses, the better. Much has been written about how Bitcoin's energy use is less carbon intensive than its critics assume due to its high utilization of renewable and zero carbon energy. This is true. Much has been written about how Bitcoin's energy use is justified by the economic outcome that it promotes. As Bitcoin provides people around the globe with an incorruptible tool for storing value, this is also true. Much has been written about how Bitcoin's energy use is tiny in the context of global energy consumption. Bitcoin uses less energy than electric clothes drying machines, so this too is true. However, very little has been written about how Bitcoin's energy use is actually good. In fact, energy use itself is good because humans benefit from using energy, and the more they use, the better. I recognize that this is a controversial stance in today's world of wimps, I mean, sorry, uh, climate concerns. I sympathize with and share the view that maintaining a habitable planet is an important goal. However, the path to environmental security and the path to economic security is the same path. Increased mastery over energy. The reality of how humans innovate and accomplish important things is intimately tied to our control over energy. So do geopolitics and the matters of war and peace. Even our ability to mitigate the environmental impact is a function of how much control we have over energy. The bottom line is this. Energy is the master resource of human civilization, and we should always be aspiring to become better masters of energy. Whether you support huge deployments of solar and wind energy, nuclear, or even think we should actually use more fossil fuels, You should support humans using more energy in the aggregate. Why? The simple truth is that for us to get better at deploying, maintaining, and improving your preferred method of energy production, we need to actually build more of that energy production. Human knowledge does not only emerge in the vacuum of academia. Industrial knowledge emerges only when we actually build and operate things. Cesar Hidalgo, one of the foremost thinkers in the field of economic complexity, finds that such knowledge only comes from direct experiential learning, not from universities and books, from praxis, not from theory. In other words, the idea of a nuclear power plant built and run entirely by PhDs who have never operated a power plant a day in their lives is a frightening notion. This quickly leads, one, to the realization that accumulating productive knowledge requires those industries to, in the first place, exist, and in the second, to provide opportunities to advance our knowledge via continued operation. We need productive knowledge to operate industries, and industries can only be operated if we have productive knowledge. It's an intimate dance of increments. Inevitably, Hidalgo found that countries move from the products they already produce to new products which rely, which rely on similar productive knowledge. Thus, in order, to, in order to improve our ability to generate energy, we must first generate energy. The more energy we generate, and even one could argue the more diversity of energy we generate, the more opportunities we have to improve on our productive knowledge. Regardless of what form you think humanity's future energy consumption should come in, it is critical to admit that we will only become efficient proprietors of that form of energy by building and operating more of it. This then means that more capital should be devoted to these endeavors. Bitcoin mining makes this possible through organic market incentives. Some people see the allocation of capital for an energy transition as being the responsibility of government. Boo! However, if history has taught us anything, it is that free markets are a modern miracle and are far better at capital allocation than any central entity humanity has ever known. I do not intend to argue whether or not government should have a role or how much of a role in this process that they should have. No matter what views you hold on the role of government in our energy future, it is impossible to not, to deny that real market incentives provide a massive advantage to the development of better, cheaper, and more energy efficient, or sorry, efficient energy technologies. <clears throat> Additional capital that incentivizes more energy production is a virtuous cycle whose end results in more prosperity and greater knowledge regarding energy production. This inevitably also includes our ability to control how much carbon is emitted while producing energy. Bitcoin is an ingenious force for allocating capital to the most efficient energy producers. Any miner who can secure cheaper energy can make a greater profit mining Bitcoin than their competitors. With new Bitcoin miners come on, oh, sorry, when new Bitcoin miners come online using cheaper energy than existing miners, they actually make it more difficult for those other less efficient miners to continue to mine using their antiquated energy resources. The end result is a virtuous cycle chasing ever cheaper energy and making inefficient energy sources non-financially viable on the Bitcoin network. Let that sink in for a moment. Bitcoin mining will provide the most energy efficient production facilities with added cash flow and will withdraw its cash flow from the less efficient ones. This will accelerate the construction of energy, sorry, efficient energy production sources and potentially also accelerate the cessation of inefficient sources. Do you believe that renewables are the cheapest and most efficient energy to have ever been available to humanity, then hallelujah, Bitcoin mining is the best thing to ever happen for renewables. For if renewables truly are the cheapest and most efficient energy, then it is inevitable that Bitcoin miners will use almost exclusively renewables absent government subsidization or less efficient energies. And what if you believe the mighty atom is the ideal energy source? What if you look at the sun and intuit that if nature produces all of its energy via nuclear reactions, then it stands to reason that nuclear reactions are the most efficient way the universe has to produce that energy. Once again, hallelujah. Bitcoin mining will be the best thing to ever happen to nuclear power. Let's get going and split some atoms. Well, you're not pausing. Nuclear fission doesn't split atoms. That's sorry. Nuclear fusion doesn't split atoms. Well, nuclear fusion does. The the nuclear power that we have is fission, and that actually kind of shoves atoms together and energy is released from that, but whatever. Whichever view turns out to be correct, whichever one actually generates energy more efficiently is the one that Bitcoin mining will help the most in the long term. The only way we will make any progress toward our energy future is by building, using, operating, repairing, and improving our energy production knowledge, processes, and resources. The more energy we use, the more jobs there are working in energy, and the more energy researchers and innovators that will be funded by the flows of capital throughout the world economy. The amount of capital that is being invested in energy, even including the recent financing of renewables, has fallen precipitously over the last century as a percentage of total capital investments. How are we supposed to build our energy future if we aren't investing in it? Rather than wait for some government to recognize this issue and centrally allocate capital, let's unleash the natural incentives so beautifully delivered by the Bitcoin network. We're going to pause right there in the middle so we can run the numbers. CNBC, futures and commodities, oil. West Texas Intermediate up scant to $92.59. Britain North Sea making a bigger move up over half a point to $99.91. Natural gas down a third of a point to $9.34 per thousand cubic feet. Our uh, sorry, gasoline is down scant $2.81 a gallon. All of your shiny metal rocks are are plumbing the depths, dude. Gold down 1.2 percent to 1,750. Silver, ooh shit, silver has been taking a fucking pounding, man. 18.77 dollars 77 Platinum is down 2.23 percent. Copper down 0.19 percent. And palladium down one and a half. All your agricultural futures are up except for coffee, which is down scant. Uh, wheat up two and a half. Soybeans up two. Corn up two. Sugar biggest winner today, up three percent. And cotton also uh, coming in strong, up 3% as well. Uh, Since, uh, I guess I should uh, note, I guess I should note before we get into the indices and the Bitcoin price. Chairman uh, Jerome Powell opened his mouth uh, or his hole at Jackson Hole and said, they're just going to keep on trucking. And all the markets took a shit in the bed, including legacy markets. Dow down over two points. S and P down two and a half points. Nasdaq down over three points, ladies and gentlemen. S and P mini down two and a quarter. Ah, That's what happens when you open your hole. And Bitcoin likewise shit in the bed. It was up almost, almost to twenty-two thousand it was hovering around like 21,800 and where is it it lost $2,000, $20,730 uh, 10,776 10,700 and 76 transactions or yeah 766 uh, transactions performed in the last 24 hours with 2 million bitcoin changing hands in that period uh, 7.91 BTC is the average transaction value today the median transaction value is Uh, 0.024 or right at 500 bucks. Block times are excessively low. Eight minutes, two seconds. 0.061 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis and just under 11 BTC taken in fees overall in the last 24 hour period. And holy shit, 11.6 per seven, six per uh, per seven, 11.67% hash rate increase to 236.4 exahashes per second. So right around where we were yesterday or the day before yesterday, uh, well, this may be, a, you know, depending on how BitInfo charts gets their information, we may see a, a drastic drastic decline in that hash rate given uh, FedPAL's comments today. Uh, your shitcoin indicator is Dogecoin point zero six. Six United States dollars or just over six United States pennies. Now there are 11,200 transactions awaiting six blocks to clear. We have dipped below 400 billion. We're plumbing the depths. 395.7 billion is our market capitalization, which is just under three and a half percent of gold's entire market cap. We may now only buy 11.9 ounces of shiny metal rocks with our one Bitcoin, of which there are. of, and 4,574.9 of those are in the Lightning Network valued at $94.6 million, being run over 17,196 nodes, uh, sporting 85,237 payment channels, and 71.5% of all of it is running over Tor. That's going to do it for Vitals. Now, let's get right back into Coindesk's article about the more energy Bitcoin uses, the better. But before we do, congratulations to yet another Bitcoin father today. Pedro, also known as at re underscore tweet, at retweet, uh, has taken a picture of his brand new baby boy, which was, of course, this was all two days ago, but still... Uh, born today at Block Height 750946. Meet my son. Pedro, your son is well received. Newest Bitcoiner on deck. Let's get into this one. Continuing, using more energy is not at odds with environmental initiatives, and it certainly isn't at odds with civilizational or economic prosperity. No matter what future you want, it will require better mastery of energy, and Bitcoin helps to build that future. The biggest objectors to this view are those who think humanity needs to produce and consume less, sometimes called degrowthers. In other words, they believe we must engage in energy austerity. We must stop economic growth and conserve our resources as much as possible. Is it actually politically, economically, and socially possible to engage in degrowth considering our economy is built on steady economic growth? Is it fair to force economic stagnation on people around the world, especially those still using less, less electricity per day than my refrigerator? Degrowth is not feasible a feasible political objective, regardless of whether it's right or wrong, necessary or not. I don't believe the governments can get the world to support the policies needed to use less energy and less hope for their children to lead better lives than they did. It's a utopian pipe dream, not real politics. No matter what views you hold on energy, climate change, or economic growth, the single pathway available to human civilization is to solve the age-old question of producing sustainable, abundant energy. How do we produce energy cheaper, cleaner, and more efficiently? How do we find new energy sources, resources? How do we produce an abundant world for a vibrant global population? Bitcoin's energy use is part of the answer to these questions. Bitcoin helps us advance human energy mastery, which is a worthwhile end to pursue as it is good for both human prosperity and our ability to minimize our environmental impact. Okay, first of all, minimizing our our environmental impact. Let's look at a daisy. Does a daisy have environmental impact? you damn skippy it does. Why? Well, when a daisy grows in the soil, it puts out roots. That me- mechanically disturbs the soil and it changes the structure of the soil. It, is, it, it has an environmental impact. When that stem grows up from the ground and produces petals and leaves and a flower head, it shades a portion of the ground that used to not be shaded. Ladies and gentlemen, I introduced to you the concept of environmental impact. Also, the temperature around that plant is substantially cooler, even though we are only talking about maybe, you know, a few hundred nanometers, but it's still environmental impact. Why is it cooler? Because plants self-regulate their temperature. It could be 105 degrees outside. As long as that plant can trans- uh, transpirate water, then it's acting as an evaporative cooling mechanism and it's putting humidity into the air. The, for the fourth time, that plant has environmental impact. And that's just a fucking daisy. Think about a ponderosa pine or a forest of ponderosa pines. You, you're starting to see what I'm getting at. We're a part of this whole thing. The human species is just as part of nature As a yak, the fact that we have a frontal cortex or actually not just a frontal cortex, a whole cortex that's wrapped around our lizard brain that enabled shit like speech, writing words down, forming complete sentences, and I don't know, engineering pyramids is an aberration in nature, except possibly dolphins. However, they probably are smarter than us because they were like, we could build a plane. And the other ones were like, yeah, fuck that shit, dude. Let's just swim around. It's warm. Why are we got to go anywhere? There's fish everywhere. They're, they're probably smarter than us. But minus that, humans are part of nature. There's no extracting humans from nature. You could go around and find every single human you can and kill them all to get rid of the human scourge, then turn the gun on yourself and blow yourself away because you're the last human. And guess what? You missed a couple. And if you miss... You know, a few hundred humans that are able to actually competently breed, guess what? We're a part of nature. We're going to breed. When we start thinking of human beings as some kind of scourge of nature and that what we're doing is the only thing that's bad and that no other creature in, the, in, in nature actually does anything bad, all your, all your, all your being is, is dehumanizing, right? You're just, you hate humanity. You hate where we're going. You hate where we've been. You hate where we are. But honestly, we're just as part of nature as a monkey in a tree or a psilocybin growing on a forest floor. All of us are connected. The only thing that, that humans have fucked up is our communication with nature. We stepped out of it. Native Americans, they didn't step out of it. The aboriginals, they didn't step out of it. I mean, until we came over and fucked them all up. And I'm just going to say it. Some people do bad shit. Europeans did some heinous shit. Africans themselves did some heinous shit to each other. The Aztecs were going out in the goddamn jungle and scavenging humans in tribes to bring back to their temples for human sacrifice where they ripped their hearts out alive and then chopped their heads off until the eclipse cleared up. That's bad. Humans also do good, All right. So just I'm not picking on the Europeans here, but I gotta say that as we colonize the world, one of the things that we brought with us was the fact that we forgot that we're part of nature. We forgot how to communicate with nature. We, we, we forgot to take our shoes off and put our feet in the soil. We're, we're disconnected and it causes problems but I have the highest hope that we're going to get back there. I really do. But we don't have time to chew that fat. Can Bitcoin's lightning network overcome the price of anarchy? Gee, I don't know. Maybe Bitcoin's Shinobi will tell us. The Lightning Network as a payment routing network has many similarities with the internet itself. You must be connected to the network. Payments are routed from one source node on the network to a destination node, just like data packets on the internet, and it requires an unbroken connection from the source to destination. It also has one massive difference, the requirement for liquidity. On the internet, as long as bandwidth is available, you can pass an infinite amount of information along a route as long as you have enough time to wait for it to get through. Lightning channels, however, can be depleted. Oh my God, yes, yes they can, honestly. Um, oh, they, uh, an ad popped up and it lost my place again. Hold on, hold on. Uh, on the internet, as long as bandwidth is available, you can pass an infinite amount of information. Lightning channels, however, can be depleted as they require actually moving money from one side of a channel to another in order to route a payment, and eventually they will run out of money on one side and push all of it to the other. This creates a necessary balancing act between the use of the network in the present to forward payments for individual users and the health of the network in the future regarding its capability of forwarding payments for other users. Each time someone routes a payment through a specific channel, they increase the likelihood that the channel they used will not be able to process payments in the same direction for another user in the future. In essence, users attempting to adopt strategies en masse to benefit themselves in terms of guaranteeing the delivery of their payments Can have negative effects on the overall liquidity distribution of the network and actually lower the likelihood of individual users' payments arriving successfully at the destination. Essentially, whatever strategy is dominantly used by end users to select routes for their payments is going to have systemic effects on the entire network. In the negative sense, i.e. how individual behaviors have degrading effects on the system as a whole, This dynamic is known as the price of anarchy. Renee Picard has been engaging in a line of research to develop heuristics useful for improving the reliability of payment delivery across the Lightning Network. One strategy strategy to achieve the goal that has come out of this research is referred to as a Picard payments. Currently, the most frequently used strategy across the network is to prioritize route selection based on the lowest fees. This works rather well for small payments, but not so much for larger amounts. Intuitively, the reason should be obvious. Such low-fee routes are widely used, which tend to push liquidity in one direction, leaving less available. The effect this has for other small payments taking the same route is small until approaching depletion, but for the larger amounts, the odds of success become increasingly lower. Picard payments work by prioritizing reliability over cheapness, making educated guesses on the probability of payments succeeding over different potential paths it could take. Just like the dominant low-fee prioritizing strategy, over time, as a node attempts to make payments and sees some fail, it will update its assumptions on the probability of payment success over time refine its accuracy. This should help prevent nodes and swarms always depleting the same channels because their view of the network in terms of reliability will evolve uniquely over time. An important part of path selection is considering which direction liquidity is flowing in a channel. Is it balanced both ways? Is it predominantly one direction? In his most recent research looking at the dynamic of the price of anarchy, Picard noted his realization that Based on public gossip data, it may be possible to estimate the rate of to drain channels, how balanced or unbalanced the flow through it is, and further improve the reliability of estimations on payment success or failure along certain routes. Estimating this correctly allows you to look at a channel and guess which direction has a high probability of completing a payment and which direction has a low probability. Another aspect of Picard Payments is to optimize for both reliability and low fees. In modeling things to study the price of anarchy dynamics of the Lightning Network, it was discovered that optimizing for both reliability and fees lead to one of the worst externality costs for the network or the highest price of anarchy. This seems to create the greatest rate of channel depletions across the network out of all path selection strategies now these effects don't exist in a vacuum or without counterbalances routing nodes on the network are also actors that have tools at their disposal and can adopt strategies to optimize the flow control and counterbalance this routing nodes can alter fees to disincentivize pushing liquidity to one side of a channel i.e if most payments are flowing one direction they can charge higher fees for that and lower fees for going the other direction Nodes can open and close channels, creating new connections to meet higher demand. Nodes can also rebalance channels, pushing liquidity from one channel of theirs out into the network and back into another channel of theirs to alter the liquidity distribution in that channel. Nodes sending payments can also select and utilize different path selection strategies when they observe the current one is leading to frequent payment failures. I'm sure people reading this right now are thinking something along the lines of, who cares? The market will sort it out. Lightning is a market-driven system. Lightning is an almost entirely market-driven system, but it's not that simple when analyzing dynamics like the price of anarchy. Users of the network are not going to be analyzing routing algorithms manually, picking and choosing what to use with each payment. They are going to be using tools and software that automates all of this and hides it in the background. Thank God. This makes this kind of research important to the overall health of the network. A way needs to be found to enable end users to engage with the network selfishly, prioritizing their own interests, but without degrading the performance of the network as a whole. Modeling how these two dynamics interact, the strategies for sending nodes and mitigation strategies for routing nodes is incredibly important for developing strategies for both classes of users to balance and optimize the overall health of the networks and the reliability of payments for individual users. Routing data between different devices is a long-solved problem in computer science, which the Lightning Network builds heavily upon, but the dynamic of liquidity constraints adds a whole new facet to the entire field of research around reliably routing information. The Lightning Network has been a huge success so far in improving the speed and scalability of payments using Bitcoin, but to continue that success at larger scales and larger loads from more users, the interaction of these two different dynamics needs to be thoroughly understood and accounted for. In order for users of the network to adopt successful strategies, Those strategies must first be developed, understood, and verified. Yeah, Shinobi, knocking it out of the park with that one, because this makes a lot of sense to me. However, there's going to be a third variable. Right now, he's talking about small fees and the cheapest way, the cheapest route, the cheap, on the cheap, do it cheap. Remember, there's always that thing. It's like, you either want it now, you want it good, or you want it cheap. Pick two. That's what we're going to have. And the third thing that's going to be introduced is the social strata. I guarantee there are going to be nodes out there that announce themselves as I'm run by a person of color. I'm transgender. I'm ESG positive. I am, you get where I'm going. You get where I'm going. That's going to be part of it. And it's going to be more insidious than anything I can even possibly think of, but it will be there. It is going to come in. So you'll have three stools. Do you use a routing, do you use a pathway that routes through potentially an evil capitalist or do you only route through rainbow nodes? Do you only ever choose the cheapest route, fucking cheapskate, how dare you not support liquidity on the Lightning Network? Or do you try to find a happy medium between all three? Or if you're like me, I don't give a shit. Can you get my payment through? You see where I'm going with this? I guarantee you there'll be a third paper in the future, probably five years from now, Shinobi going, yeah, this whole, these these social nodes suck ass and here's why. I doubt that'll actually be the title of the paper though. Uh, More lightning stuff, however. We got this one from Koji Higashi from, again, Bitcoin Magazine. Lightning shines for its practicality. This is the second article based on the content of Understanding Lightning, the report produced by the Diamond Hands community. Continuing. Applications that integrate Lightning payments can immediately reap the benefits of micropayment capacity, low fees, and instant settlement. Since Lightning takes the majority of payments off the main Bitcoin blockchain, it can theoretically process millions of transactions per second while maintaining Bitcoin's decentralized and permissionless nature both essential to serve as the underlying technology for real-world practical applications. Sorry. Significant reduction in transaction costs and an increase in speed at a global scale with lightning is no small feat. It can potentially serve billions of unbanked and or underbanked people, as well as cutting billions of dollars worth of costs in credit card fees alone. With all this said, the cryptocurrency industry as a whole or now popularly referred to as Web3, seems to focus more on different types of applications with proprietary tokens closely integrated into the core of its service, pausing so that I may gag just a little bit about the Web3 sentence. No, it is up to us to act confused when somebody regards cryptocurrency and God forbid Bitcoin as Web3. It is up to us to look them dead in the eye and say, I have no idea what you're talking about. Web3 has nothing to do with Bitcoin. Just that's our job. Just le- going to leave that there. Indeed, Web3 projects with built-in tokens tend to have an easier time raising funds from VC and achieving ultra-fast growth thanks to the speculative nature of tokens and expectation of great big gains for early investors and users. In that aspect, Lightning applications certainly underdeliver. Although many lightning applications utilize the lightning network to distribute small amounts of Bitcoin (sats) to users, they won't make you rich quickly. Unlike some Web3 projects with tokens, occasionally uh, with tokens that occasionally do, if you're lucky, or if you're an insider, to be more specific. Of course, not everything is perfect with Web3. He's saying Web3, but I'm going to start calling it Weebly or Weeb 3. Tokens are often too strong or an incent- and an incentive and can easily alter the purpose of using the service itself, damaging the overall product as a result. It blurs the line between the app's actual utility and short-term speculative demand, often attracting the wrong type of users who don't care about the service. In other words, applications with an existent user base may risk hurting actual loyal customers by integrating tokens into the core of their service. Understanding this, it's not surprising that establishing or established game studios like Blizzard openly reject integrating NFTs into their platform. Furthermore, use of cryptocurrency tokens often increases legal risks and compliance costs, making the token approach impractical for many established companies. It's also undeniable that information asymmetry and lack of regulation around tokens often leads to fraud, with projects and early investors frequently dumping risk onto retail investors. On the other hand, integrating Lightning payments in existing services are very much less likely to conflict with the existing product design, rather enhancing user experience and satisfaction. For example, ZBD, one of the leading Lightning companies for gaming, is working to integrate micro-Bitcoin rewards in existing game titles, easily turning them into play-to-earn games with real Bitcoin. Those rewards are relatively small and you won't be able to make a living off of them. Instead, plugging in micro Bitcoin rewards can improve user retention and lower user acquisition costs, making distribution of micro rewards economically feasible and sustainable for game developers. The logic here is pretty simple in my opinion. You are not really playing purely for money, but if you play some games for fun anyway, you'd rather earn some sats while doing so. Similarly, Fountain applies Lightning in podcasting, rewarding users by listening to their favorite podcasts. Both of these use cases don't disrupt the original purpose of using the service itself. Lightning's micro rewards work as a gentle nudge to continue to do what they enjoy doing anyway, as opposed to trying to make people play boring games or listen to distasteful podcasts purely for the sake of receiving tokens and making quick money. So, in conclusion, while we expect even more novel use cases to be discovered in the future, there are already a number of concrete use cases that leverage Lightning in remittances, inter-exchange transfers, micro awards, gaming, and more, reducing transaction costs and improving the user experience. Lightning can be an effective tool to elevate products with real utility and existing user bases, although it may be not be powerful enough to achieve. Rapid monetary growth from zero, like some Weeb 3 projects are designed to achieve through the pump and dump schemes. The jury is still out whether those Weeb 3 apps can achieve both initial hypergrowth growth and long-term sustainability. But to me, Lightning apps and Weeb 3 serve different purposes and fulfill different needs with different technical architecture and trade-offs anyway. We should accept these differences and build even more interesting and cool use cases with lightning in the future, indeed. And I just gave you one at the front of the show, that dolly thing, I would love it. If I could get the guys over at Midjourney to accept a Bitcoin payment or rather a lightning payment and have us like, just like, I don't know, give them like, I give them a dollar. I would give them a dollar to get, you know, certain amount of GPU time or the guarantee that I can produce one set of four pictures from a single text prompt, which means I gotta be very careful about how I designed my prompt. I've gotta, I've gotta go find an image URL that I wanna begin with if I wanna do that. I need to look, I need to actually spend the fucking time to look to see what my base seed picture is going to be that's gonna be used by the AI to design everything else that comes along, like the text prompt, like a steampunk uh, street scene at night, gangster shootout, a single owl flying under a street lamp. I've gotta be very clear as to how I'm going to structure my words. What am I going to put in that prompt, right? Why? Because I've got a dollar on the line. Let's say it's 10 bucks. Let's say it's 10. Maybe you don't give a shit about a and, dollar and you're not going to be careful about what it is that you do. Let's say 10 bucks. Now it's like, oh, okay, I get one shot. I get four frames and I get to upscale each one of those frames to, a different, to a, the highest resolution and or I can make two variations on two of those frames and two upscales on the other two frames. And then, you know, you see what I'm saying? I have to... Harness the GPU usage that I know I'm going to use. Build my prompt so that I'm not just going, okay, well, that didn't work. I'll do another one. Okay, that looked like crap. I'll do another one. Blah, 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 blah. Spend some time with the prompt. Why? Because it's costing me money. Low time preference. Bitcoin enables low time preference when you're using payments even if they're small payments to an API that allows access to their bank of GPUs so that I can input my URL image, URL my prompt and any possible flags that I want to go on there, like 4k high definition. Uh, I can change like the aspect ratio of the pictures that come out of this AI. That's the kind of shit that I'm talking about. Not only does it enable it, but it reformats the way I'm going to think about using their resource. So many people were pissed off at MidJourney because they like ran through all their GPU time and were like, I can't believe I paid $10 for this. And the guys at at MidJourney are like, do you have any idea the GPU load that we're having to carry to do this? And they have a point. They've got a point. What's the best way that I can support the guys over at MidJourney? Is it to get their $10 and blow through it in the first four hours of my day, screwing up, jamming up the whole thing? Or am I I better serving them, not only paying them very much small amounts up front, but that small amount up front being very much in the forefront of my mind, causing me to take very serious care in how I construct my input into their AI that leverages their GPU that spits out something that I wanna use. The last two or three uh, cover art items that I've used have been for for this podcast. If you go back, if you can actually see the cover art for the podcast, those were generated for Mid Journey by me using prompts. And now I can't do it anymore. So I'm, I need to start hammering the guys over at Mid Journey. That's all the time we have for today. That's gonna to do it for the morning roundup. All right. In honor of our two new dads, our newest Bitcoiner dads, I bring you this from Dad Says Jokes. I gave my friend an apple. He told me he prefers pears. So I gave him another apple. Get it? Gave him another apple? Yeah. Well, okay. So there you go. That's a terrible joke for our brand new Bitcoin dads. Uh, if you want to do podcast support the show, then you need to do podcasting 2.0. I got some boostograms, I do, but I got to get them back because I had it all set up. And then I started listening to yet another podcast. And uh, now I got to go back to my thing and get them all and see if I can read you the boostograms. Hold on, they're coming. They're coming. I swear to God. All right. This was uh, from episode 606 uh mr man says woo that cost you 10,000 satoshis what was i just saying what was i just what was i just saying if you're going to give me the money to read your stuff on air put some time into it don't just say woo i want to read your stuff and i'm not even giving you shit mr man i'm not i'm just saying This is the whole thing that I was talking about with the whole mid-journey thing. If I'm going to give somebody money to execute a particular function, I am now, I can't go back to the old way that I was. I can't go back there. I cannot go back and just throw money at something and forget that I threw money at it. I'm now like, it's, it's to me, it's like an allergic reaction. So next time, I don't know. Tell me, tell me a joke. If you if you've got a terrible joke, Mister Man, that you want me to read on air, you do that. You do that. You give me ten thousand sats or whatever sats you want to give me. I'll read your joke. Okay. I'm just saying. Let's start being more intentional, intentional about what we do. Now, letter sixty one seventy three with a striper boost. Seven thousand seven hundred seventy seven Satoshi says. Bitcoin will eat all digital trade and become the rails of HTTP 402. If you don't know, is it 402? Is the 402 error? Yeah, I think it's the 402 error. Let me me make sure that is the uh, no money detected error. And I'm just going to put it in there just to make sure. Yeah, payment required. The HTTP 402 payment required is a non-standard response status code that is reversed for future use. This status code was created to enable digital cash or micropayment systems and would indicate that the requested content is not available until the client makes a payment. Ladies and gentlemen, that literally describes everything that we've been talking about since I put mid journey into your head. I'm telling you, go check out mid Journey. I'm telling you, go check it out, go check it out, go check it out and then get into their discord, which is pretty much the only way you can interact with their system, get into their discord, start hammering them, take lightning payments. Let us split off a pool of GPU, figure out how much that costs you in the real world, figure out the price of Bitcoin, figure out how many Satoshis you need to give me like two minutes of GPU time and then calculate how much that's actually going to give me, right? Write the whole thing up and then ask the Bitcoin community to help you develop the Lightning Payment System. And I guarantee you the community will come running to help you develop the Lightning Payment System for mid-journey, and I will be the first one through the door to use it, because I'm, I'm close to giving them 10 bucks a month, but I don't want to. I want to hammer home to these people that they are on the forefront of something great, and they could be on the forefront of something even greater if they marry it with Lightning Network Payments. Letter 6173, thank you for your boost. Mr. Man. thank you for your boost as well. I will see you both